From the 24th of February to the 1st of March 2014, the London School of Economics will hold its sixth annual literary festival under the theme Reflections. The festival will explore how the social sciences and the arts help us understand the world around us and our place within it. A wide variety of events are planned, from talks, readings to panel discussions and film screenings. To see a full programme, go online to lse.ac.uk slash public events. To celebrate and support the festival, we're launching a series of special academic inspiration segments featuring prominent LSE academics and event speakers. In this podcast, the director of the LSE and world-renowned sociologist, Professor Craig Calhoun, tells us about the classical social theorists who have inspired him throughout his career. What books inspired me? I suppose that being inspired by books, falling in love with books, was what got me started towards being an academic. What other career do you actually get the chance to do reading for pay? The first big inspirations for me were discovering classical social theory. Marx, Weber, Durkheim, just finding that there were these perspectives on what was going on in the world. I was a university student at the end of the 1960s, thinking about both the big changes of the period and the, uh, the limits to change, really got me interested in understanding society better. So then reading someone like Durkheim, uh, who elaborated a notion of just what society was, how things were connected to each other, Weber's work on the way in which the larger patterns of social life had to be built up out of actions in which people meaningfully responded to each other. Marx's work, uh, particularly Capital, but a range of the work, which I spent a long time studying very carefully, especially while I was at Oxford, both for what it compellingly revealed about the larger capitalist system and why the system mattered and uh, individuals didn't just have complete choice to make the world they wanted, but also I became focused on some of the limits to the Marxist perspective, the, I thought, the limits particularly to the politics that many thought would follow from it. Probably the single most inspiring book I ran across was E.P. Thompson's The Making of the English Working Class, which uh, I read several times, taking detailed notes really seriously, and, uh, um, and again found both inspirational and to have limits. I began to worry how could such a wonderful account, which as you read it, uh, just almost seamlessly tells a story, be thought of in more theoretical terms than, than Thompson did. How did that story fit into the big theoretical pictures? And I, uh, I spent a lot of time while I was doing my DPhil at Oxford uh, engaged in, in that kind of question. So I probably read the book through at least four times. Um, and in general, that there are books that you sort of love and you read once, and that's great, and you enjoy them. There are books you go back to, and books that you study really closely, where a close reading is important. If I were asked a question like, um, what book that I've read in the last five years or so has really kept me thinking and made me go back to it, I would pick Charles Taylor's A Secular Age. And 
It has both of these qualities I've cited. It's inspiring. It sees something. It makes you see the world differently. And it has these limits and problems that make you think further. So it's not just that you, you read it and you become converted and you say, oh, yeah, I agree with everything he said. It's that you read it and you think and you go back and look again and say, did I understand it right? And what else do I think do we have to bring into consideration to fully make sense of this picture. So that one led me to a lot of further thinking on how to understand secularism, how to understand it as itself something and not just the absence of religion, and to make sense of, of how it's shaped the world we live in. It's an enormous book. It doesn't have just a single storyline. One of Taylor's earlier books, Sources of the Self, is just a beautiful, straightforward narrative. You read it right straight through. This one's more complicated, but it just gets you thinking in a new way about things you already knew from your life, as well as from other books, from research, and makes you try to understand his distinctive perspective on that and try to improve your own at the same time. And that's a sign of a great book for me. So in my spare time, I probably read more history than anything else and fairly widely varied. I've been interested recently in empires and the sort of footprints and traces that empires left as the world changed into a world of nation-states and modern international relations. Often, um, good writing, good narratives, and um, goods with which to think, as Levi-Strauss put it once, the, that you know more stuff and then you can think about that stuff and think better because you have it in your mind. sad truth of my life is that I do more reading on airplanes than anywhere else right now. I do have a comfortable armchair at home. I'm just, when I'm at home, I'm much more often feeling, oh, I have to write this memo. Oh, I have to read that email. I have to do something. And so it's hard to make myself um, just take the time for patient reading. Um, when you're stuck in an airplane, I'm flying to India next week, for example. It's a long trip. Um, I will, I hope, get some reading done. And it makes tolerable the long trip to enjoy the reading while you do it. The, there is a struggle. I think other people must have it, too, in, in contemporary life, where you carry electronic gadgets around. You always have your work with you, so you always could be doing something. And you feel vaguely obligated, or not vaguely, but very concretely obligated to do that. So my job at the LSE is you know, really demanding. There's always more work I could do. There are always more emails than I can answer. I get about 300 a day. Life could be completely taken up in that. So it takes a new and different kind of willpower to say, hey, I'm going to take two hours and I'm just going to read and I'll be happier afterwards and it will be good for my thinking. It'll even be good for my reading of the LSE, but you have to actively counteract that uh, sense that you should be doing some task at every moment. That's all for this episode. Join us next week when Professor of International History David Stevenson talks to us about some key readings on World War I and about the LSE Literary Festival event Why Remember? Reflections on the First World War Centenary taking place on the 26th of February. To find out more about the LSE Literary Festival and other events at the London School of Economics go to lse.ac.uk slash public events. 
for the latest reviews of books in the social sciences and for more podcasts, go to lsereviewofbooks.com. I'm Amy Mollett. Thanks for listening.